So sorry, there was so much traffic in the trans warp corridor. (laughs) (laughs) That's what she said. Welcome back, everyone. In the vast universe of Star Trek, where new worlds, civilizations, and ideas collide, one iconic character has held a special place in the hearts of fans for decades, Jean-Luc Picard. After bidding farewell to the Trek universe nearly two decades ago, the legendary captain made his triumphant return in the highly anticipated series, Star Trek Picard. As the show concludes its third season, we've gathered four avid Star Trek enthusiasts, myself, Mike, uh, my usual co-host, DK, uh, and our guest, Adrienne, who is here. Hi, Adrienne. Hello, friends. Uh, and we were supposed to be joined by uh, Sandra Evanson, who you'll also have heard uh, in bits and pieces around our podcast channels. She's running a little late, but she may be joining us later on. So uh, stay tuned for that one. Uh, and we are basically here to embark on a comprehensive review of all three seasons of Picard, traversing the stars once again alongside the indomitable Jean-Luc. Uh, joining the ranks of the show's devoted viewers, our team of reviewers brings a diverse range of perspectives and experiences to the table. Throughout our review, we'll delve into the strengths and weaknesses of Star Trek Picard, exploring its storytelling, character development, visual effects, and its ability to honor the legacy of the beloved captain while forging its own path. From the familiar faces of old allies to the introduction of compelling new characters, we'll look at how successfully these groups were handled. Prepare to embark on an interstellar adventure as we navigate the intricate narrative arcs, ethical dilemmas, and the ever-evolving nature of humanity's place in the cosmos. Join our exploration of legacy, sacrifice, and the unyielding pursuit of justice. Did the series just tug at our heartstrings or also challenge us to confront the complex issues of our time? So, without further ado, let's engage our warp drives and delve into the vast expanse of Star Trek Picard, discovering what lies beyond the stars and within the depths of our own humanity. Make it so. <sighs> Welcome, everyone. <laughs> so, hello, DK. How are you doing? <laughs> Basically, uh, just uh, we are here to review all three seasons of Picard. We're going to take it one season at a time, uh, and we're going to go over the bits and pieces that I already talked about. But we uh, we are basically doing this roughly. We don't have like full on breakdown notes like we do because there's a lot to talk about. So we will probably end up missing some things out. We have got in depth reviews of individual episodes already up of Picard, uh, namely Nepenthe and oh, let's think, um, Stardust, City Rag, and Assimilation, the episodes in question. So uh, you can always rely on those for a much more in-depth view, but we kind of wanted to talk about the series as a whole now that it's concluded and uh, how well you know we, we all found it. And I think we're all coming from, if not vastly different, at least slightly different places. So yeah, um, well, we jump straight into our review of season one. All right, let's do it. You ready, DK? Yep. <laughs> He's playing with soundboards. He's taking his cue from me. <laughs> so, 
Season 1 uh, takes place in a future where the legendary captain has retired from Starfleet and withdrawn from the galaxy's grand stage. However, his peaceful existence is disrupted when a mysterious young woman, Darge, seeks his help, unraveling a web of conspiracies that threatens not only the Federation, but also the very fabric of reality. With the fate of countless lives hanging in the balance, Picard gathers a new crew and sets off on a mission to unravel the truth and restore hope in a universe fractured by division and fear. So... <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go to uh, different people at different times here so we can uh, sort of, uh, you know, mix it up a little bit and it's not the same people speaking all the time. So that was the overall kind of plot synopsis of season one. Uh, but DK, I don't know why we're going to randomly come to you first. What do you think worked in season one and what do you think didn't work? Let's start us off. <laughs> uh, what worked? I did like the introduction of the new characters. I like Rafi, I like Rios, I like Gerati. Uh, not keen on the way they, they dealt with uh, legacy characters. I wasn't too keen on the, the data subplot. I really didn't like the Maddox, the whole Maddox nonsense. Mm. And it's Romulans. Romulans just bore me to tears. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to love it when we come to do those on the Hit or Miss podcast proper then, <laughs> covering Romulan <laughs> episodes. Um that's fair enough. We'll come back to you and uh, probably explore a little bit more of that. But what about you, Adrienne? What do you think worked and didn't work in the season as a whole? Well, I really agree with DK. Um, the whole two Romulans uh, together kind of messed it up for me. It was like Romulan powers activate, you know, these two twins or these siblings. <laughs> Romulan wonder twins. And I'm like, the Romulan twins. I go, oh, and it was kind of cringy. Narek and Arisa, I was like, oh, why, why are they doing this? You know, so that that didn't really work for me. Um, but I think everything else did. So, hey, we're doing well. I do, I do uh, kind of like Elnor. I mean, because he, he sort of has that, you know, data thing, the Pinocchio thing going on. So I think he's an interesting character. I really like where they took him. Yeah. One thing I really, really loved, what really worked for me in particular was I loved the deep dive of um, into the Star Trek world. Like I love how we were at the archives and we were at Daystrom and, and we just learned all these things we've heard so much about, but we really went there and I like that. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, just to give you quickly my sort of thoughts then as a whole, I, I wasn't a huge fan of season one either. Um, I didn't think a lot of stuff worked, including I really wasn't fond of pretty much any of the new characters, unfortunately. Um, what I did like were the moments when it was paying homage to kind of the legacy of Star Trek, uh, in particular, any moments between Picard and Seven of Nine tended to be quite good, uh, including, I think it's actually at the end of Stardust City Rag, which is an episode I hate, but has a really good moment when they're both discussing their experience uh, having been assimilated by the Borg and try to regain humanity. It's a really touching scene probably one of the best like individual mm -hmm. acted scenes of the season. Mm -hmm. uh, and my favorite episode of the season is by far Nepenthe. And I think I really love what they did there with kind of uh, Riker and Troy introducing them and play, you know, uh, feeding them naturally into Picard's storyline with this new character with Soji uh, and, and, you know, relating back to data and telling us about what happened with the, uh, you know, Thad Riker and such uh, kind of, this is a, a little bit of a leap ahead, but I kind of resent that season three, wants to, I think, retcon that along with many other things, because I really thought that was powerful and nice and didn't appreciate the whole, oh, why are we even living there? It's crap and we don't acknowledge it. And we have a daughter? What? <laughs> she didn't even remember. But yeah. <laughs> so again, this is a scene from the finale, The Last Generation, how it should have happened, the honest scene. Go. 
We'll see you later, Anzadi. Me and our boy. What should I tell our girl? Who? <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> yes, cue the Guardians of the Galaxy gift. But uh, yeah, so that was my overall thoughts. I loved Nepenthe. There's bits and pieces. I, like, I thought the first episode, Remembrance, was pretty good uh, in terms of like what it was setting up. But one of the things that I did kind of want to touch upon with you guys and that I didn't love, which is a criticism that's been leveled a lot at this, is the idea of Starfleet now being just so dark and evil and, you know, Picard and Raffi had to resign their commissions because they wouldn't... Uh, you know, uh, save the Romulans, and it just seemed very like, oh, this is not Starfleet. It's especially not the next generation era Starfleet that we know. Uh, personally, I didn't like that, but I know some people that I think were would have potentially found that refreshing. So, what about uh, you, Adrian? What did you think of that? I, I, I'm kind of still out on it. Like, one thing I feel like I need to do is I need to completely rewatch. Now that I know what happened, like it's sort of standalone. It was very dark and, and there are these all these other elements. But if when I go through a nice slow rewatch of these, I think I'll find things that I appreciate. Yeah, that's fair enough. I think it's one of the things that would it probably won't bug me as much in retrospect because they kind of they did their best to explain it away as not being Starfleet's fault because mm -hmm. they were infiltrated by, you know, Romulan spies and everything. But I still didn't love the ideas behind it and it was during a period where everything seemed to be this universe is quite grim, dark, and there's no yeah. kind of optimistic future. And there were people who complained that, oh, naturally, it's political because it's about, you know, not interfering with Brexit and whatever else. And there was an element of that, I think, with Patrick Stewart when he signed on to the show. But it's mm. for me, it's kind of been very lost in translation to that point. I don't think without really struggling, I don't think you can put real world politics into that first season. I had know, in, never in thought of that. <laughs> whole yeah. Brexit thing. I'm so, ugh, Southern California is yeah. all tied, tied in knots. I never even thought yeah. of that. Apparently yeah, well, it, was, that was... it was down at Brexit in the Trump administration. They wanted to like make not so subtle commentary on that, but I just, I don't think it particularly worked that well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No, and <laughs> the season got bogged down in its own BS, you know, beyond all of that, as you said, with the Maddox stuff, the Romulans, mm -hmm. and then whatever was happening at the end of the season, which I'm sure we'll get to in a minute. Um, so, yeah, we'll discuss things, uh, you know, individual bits and pieces afterwards. But I did want to ask, first of all, what was your favorite episode of the season? I've already given mine. It was Nepenthe. So what about you, DK? What would you say was your favorite of the 10 episodes we got in season one? I think it's going to have to be Nepenthe too. Fair it's enough. Yeah. it's ironic that for a uh, and 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 we'll, we'll probably dial, delve into it later, but it's ironic for a show that's set in the future and and lords looking forward. The biggest thing about this series overall has been when it's looked back upon itself, and I think that's yeah. kind of a shame, both on the series perspective and us as fans to a certain extent. But yeah. it is what it is. I'm not going to. I'm not going to deny it. it. It did bring back some uh, some good feelings. So yeah, it's going to have to be Nepenthe. Yeah. See, I think the thing with Nepenthe is it wasn't just about here were the characters you recognise. They had actually moved on, and it was a lot more of a we're catching up with these characters, and they have their own lives so many years later. But they're also able to play on that experience that we, as an audience, share with them as characters, which is why I much preferred the Nepenthe version of Riker and Troy to the version in. Season three, which was just basically it's, it's next gen again, 
You know, they didn't <laughs> other than the kind of mourning the, the loss of their son, which had become a major thing. It just felt like, well, we're in the same. I mean, there were some great moments, don't get me wrong. And again, we're not at season three, but we'll get to it. But it seemed to me a lot like they hadn't grown that much as characters. They were just the number one and Team Zardi that we knew from next gen. And yeah, kind of crapped on that character development from the Pente a little for me. Um, but, you know, maybe that was just me. Uh, anyway, Adrienne, what about you? What was your favorite episode out of the 10? My favorite episode is Broken Pieces because so many things came together in this episode because we had all the broken Borg, you know, everything about mm. that, that uh, the artifact. Uh, Rios was broken, right? Because Rios, mm. when he saw her, he thought, oh my gosh, all these things happened. So he fell apart and we met all of his um, holograms. And um, <laughs> That's why you picked it, isn't it? You just love Rios. Lo oh my gosh, I love Rios. He's just... Okay, um, but uh, I love that my girl Rafi, my girl Rafi put together the pieces about uh, the fact that the Romulans had got this warning and all these things were going to happen and um, the synths were going to take over. So just, I love, I really love this episode. Okay, cool. Um, that's an unusual choice. That's thrown me for a loop, but fair enough. Uh, that kind of leads us to potentially that you might end up having given the game away here, but what I was going to ask was who do you think was the best character overall in season one uh, who did you kind of like the best and adrienne since you were kind of touching on it was it rafi or was it uh, your, oh, your boyfriend Rios? <laughs> okay um well my boyfriend is santiago cabrera thank you however um i will say that um really i mean just the fact that we seven came back and and uh, i i was just a tie between seven and rios those would be my mm. my favorite characters from the season that's fair enough. Uh, and related to that, who do you think gave the best performance? Doesn't have to be the same as your favorite. Character. Oh no, my favorite. I think the best performance is Michelle Hurd as Rafi. I mean, her mm. just she went up and down, back and forth, and she she pulled everything together in the end. And I just think she was great. Cool. Fair enough. Uh, TK, what about you? Same question. Favorite character, and then performance for season one. Uh, favorite character. I think I'm gonna have to go with uh, Issa Brion, Soji. I, I mm. didn't like the entire plot, don't get me wrong, but I thought, like uh, Rios, like Rafi, I thought, you know, it was a decent character, a nice introduction. I could have done without the Treadaway twins and the garbage that followed that, but I liked her as a character. But when it comes to performance, I'm going to have to uh, agree with Adrian, I think, uh, Michelle Heard. Definitely. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, that's cool. Uh, weirdly enough, I was actually going to say the same. My favourite character was also Soji. Um, just because I think Issa Brionis did a fantastic job of managing to get all those kind of Brent Spiner-isms without feeling like a parody or like she was doing an impression, but you could fully believe this was like his child and the development of that technology, if that makes sense. And I thought her performance, you know, as, as she was kind of getting to know herself for the first time, and especially, like I said, if you look at episodes like Nepenthe, where she's basically, I don't know who to trust and I'm new to the universe and I don't know what's going on or who I actually am or what I am, and... I really, I thought that played into the kind of Trek ideas really well, and it was very well acted. Um, in terms of the best performance, uh, I'm going to be controversial. I'm going to actually say Jerry Ryan, um, because I, she was such a different and yet fully recognizable version of Seven of Nine from having, you know, coming off the back of Voyager. She didn't play it exactly the same but she didn't play it so wildly different that, you know, like the episodes of Voyager where 
she was playing, you know, Unimatrix Zero or she was like a hologram of her human self or whatever. It was just this was a natural evolution of that character. And she had some really strong moments with obviously like having to euthanize Icheb was pretty intense uh, and her scenes with Picard. And I really was as much as I didn't agree with what she did, I really was quite affected by the uh, the killing of Bajazel when she was able to get the chance and kind of just stole the guns went down and killed her and i was like "Ooh, i don't agree with it but i kind of see where you're coming from you know which is always uh you know that the, the acting can take you to that place i think is quite a big deal so that would be my there's, particular thought <laughs> i think yeah. there was a there's an undercurrent of darkness to this series that started off okay but by the time the series ended it kind of were its own worst enemy i yeah. like the mystery that they introduced with the you know the data's daughters and that kind of thing yeah. at the start but then you had Echeb and you had Hugh and you had Maddox and it, it kind of felt like a bit of a clearing sale vibe going on and you know <laughs> we, we, we touched upon I don't want to go into it but we touched upon Stardust City Rag in the episode and mm. it, it wasn't a it wasn't a great one in in my opinion and again it, you know you got bogged down with the Romulans and the the Zap Vash and I just thought oh, God, as, as soon as they started going into Romulan politics, you know, I, I turned off. It, it, it's no. I honestly didn't really mind it, but I just don't think that the, as you said, the mystery part of it, it just didn't work for me because the mystery would have had to have a much better payoff than what you were given, which is just stuff that you could never possibly know, which I always hate when it's supposed to be mystery because it's like, yeah, we, we knew it. nothing about this. So well. Yeah. It started off, it, it, you know, it, it's, <clears throat> and but you know this this undercurrent of darkness, and yes, they might have been trying to be political with the the current climate in the world and and things like that. But I'm tired of seeing Starfleet corrupted or you know infiltrated as a way of plot development. It, it gets yeah. after a while, it gets. You just say, oh, God, we've seen this so many times. Which, and I know we're looking at it from modern sensibilities kind of thing, but it's always jarring to me. And I'm no prude, definitely not prude, you know, especially if you've yeah. listened to this show before. It's always jarring to me to hear, you know, to, for it to fit in with a modern audience, how they feel that they've got to put current profanity in Starfleet. Mm. It, it yeah. just, it's, it's very jarring. Yeah. No, I mean, that's something I definitely want to go into. But before I forget, uh, as we were talking about Stardust City Rag, let me just share this meme, which if you're listening and not watching on YouTube, you're going to have to miss out. And that's why you should subscribe to our YouTube channel. But yeah, <laughs> it's uh, the hilarious <laughs> meme about Picard, you know, hearing about um, Laris still waiting for him and then putting on his who is this Picard terrible accent from Stardust City Rag, which what was that? I mean, oh, that is my least favorite part. If we're talking about I didn't really have a note to do this, but if I'm talking about worst parts of the season, whatever the heck Patrick Stewart's doing in that episode, no, stop it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, um, that's, that's an interesting thing that you brought up that we can certainly touch on, which is the use of profanity because it can because you know Star Trek now it's it's a cable show and it's trying to be more adult and not just profanity but certain things that really riled me which again I'm probably going to get called you know prudish or whatever for but like 
Rios constantly smoking on the bridge of whichever ship he's on really bugged me. Rafi's whole drug addiction thing. And even like in season three, the reference to like, oh, pot, are you talking about cannabis? I was like, I could have done without that. This just seems like you're trying to be edgy for the, you know, it's like an 18 year old boy's idea of edgy if he was writing a Star Trek script and it doesn't come off well at all for me. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I have similar tendencies but in different fields i i can deal with the drug references but as i say the profanity and because it's on a cable show now i suddenly worry if it's going to enter game of thrones territory and all of a sudden you're going to see crew members you know getting it on and being rather explicit well, i mean thinking back to episode one of strange new worlds and i'm thinking because I, I i watch this with my family and i'm just thinking oh god please don't please just don't go any further than this and I think the whole... they, I think they, uh, they learned that lesson when they had the really horrific like rape scene between Laurel and Tyler in Discovery season one, and everybody was just like, "No, yeah. <laughs> too far." I thought, <laughs> yeah. I thought, I thought it was going to happen with the uh, the Romulan guy and Sorge in this, and I just thought, "Come, mm. please, no, we can do without this nonsense." Yeah, I don't think that will. Fingers crossed. I don't think that's the sort of thing that will happen. But then again, like you said, a lot of it just seemed unnecessary. Oh, here we go. Uh, Listeners or viewers, we are joined by Sandra Evanson, as promised. Sandra, hello. Sandy. You've returned from the artifact to join us for the review there. Yes. <laughs> How are you feeling? Take your time, calm down. You, you sound like you're exhausted. Just breathe, woman. <laughs> <laughs> I was. Luckily, the grocery store's not that far away. Oh, fair enough. Are you okay to join us for the the review? Then we're just talking about season one at the moment. So, yes. In fact, that's my best notes because I, I got the date wrong. Oh, okay. <laughs> you thought you had time to prepare. Well, we don't have notes. We're just kind of doing off the cuff and giving. Our okay, thoughts, good. As I said, if we were doing an in-depth episode review, it would be different, and that's always something we can do in future, and we have in the past, so that's fine. But yeah. Um, so I may as well ask you the questions that everyone else has already answered because you haven't had the chance. Um, but the first one is, as an overall kind of 10-episode story, what do you think worked for season one and what do you think didn't work so well? Um, a lot of the things I liked, I mean, first of all, just I cannot begrudge the show anything because just them bringing him back, we never thought we'd get him back. I was just so happy to see Picard again. Um, <clears throat> what worked for me was um, I think the cinematography was really well and some of the ideas mm. they had, um, like superimposing faces over another face on the personal computers, especially when we got Picard uh, superimposed by Locutus. Um, a, a lot of the imagery just helping to tell the story was good. Um, I liked him getting out into space again. And um, one thing that didn't work for me was Rafi, especially in the beginning. Just, um, I think her introduction was just so fast and and how she was just kind of taking Picard down a notch and, oh, you and your fancy chateau and here's in my hovel and and just not, you know, she should have known all the pain and everything he went through to inherit that estate. And um, she just really rubbed me the wrong way at first. And then then calling him um, uh, JL and it's just like, 
uh, you know, we never, we knew him the longest. Who is this new person? And so that just really rubbed me the wrong way. But overall, the story, um, getting to explore that he's still struggling with Locutus and, and that whole time seeing him walk through the Borg and uh, through the cube and he's like cowering. And then Hugh coming out and telling him you're, you're Jean-Luc Picard. You're not Locutus. That worked for me. Uh, all of the reunions worked for me. Um, I Only guess he I'm, knew that he just needed the power of love and he would have been immune to us. <laughs> <laughs> Season three, spoiler alert. <laughs> but yeah, so I guess just, you know, off and on, lots of elements of the story worked. Some of the characters didn't, but most of the characters did. I loved Elnor and, of course, Rios and all of his <laughs> his holograms. <laughs> the ladies are all just here for Santiago Cabrera. We really are. That's one attractive dude. <laughs> Fair enough. Hey. Really he is English, so I'll I'll, you know, <laughs> take, uh, I'll take any reflected glory from my uh, country folk. But uh, yeah, so um, yeah, that, so that's kind of your overall thought on what worked and didn't work. I will say this is a random side note, but it's very frustrating to me that a lot of the legwork of the backstory for Picard and Raffi takes place in a comic that they did before the show, and I really think it should have been in the show even as like a prequel in the same way that Discovery started off with like the Shenzhou for two episodes. Um, Cause it was just far too abrupt that we're like, who's this woman? And we're supposed to believe they're best friends. And yeah, the comic is yeah. so cool. Cause it's like the, it's them serving together as kind of captain and first officer during the first attempts to do the Romulan relocation and everything. It also shows how we, how Picard meets um, Laris and her boyfriend Zaban, her husband that got unceremoniously <laughs> killed off. So there's a lot of stuff there that I think should have been in the show, but again, that's for me. That's perhaps a, an example of something that didn't work was that they did a lot of setup off screen for stuff that we really should have had. Even the short, trek, I agree. I mean, children, yeah, Children of Mars, the short trek was really good, but probably should have been part of the show. You know, <laughs> so mm. <clears throat> yeah. Anyway, so yeah, the next question would have been, what was your favorite episode out of uh, season one, then, Sandra? Hmm. I guess, um, I think probably my favorite episode, even though it's not where I prefer him to be, like I, I like him so much more in space and we'll get into that later, why I like season three so much more. But um, I, oddly, I think my favorite um, episode is um, when Picard and uh, Dodge meet up and uh, because he's, <clears throat> what was very difficult to, to see about Picard's comeback was his age, how much he's aged and that he's kind of like retired now and out of everything. And that's the moment when, um, you know, his age no longer mattered. He knew he was getting back in. He decided, you know, he had something else to do and, and just like just seeing him come to life, that there was someone that needed his protection and that there was possibly this link to data just kind of started coming to the surface. I don't remember if the quantum storage was that episode or the next episode, but kind of uh, that air, that area right there was kind of my favorite because it just brought him back to life. I think, yeah, the, the 
the pilot remembrance was more sort of set up and that is where he first meets her but i think the episode that you're kind of referring to would be maps and legends episode two where it is basically like he takes on the mission to protect her and uh you find out about their quantum entanglement and he ultimately isn't able to save her you know spoiler alert and then we have to meet soji because dodge is dead effectively <clears throat> so, yeah, yeah think, and the uh, dodge fight scene was awesome too yes, it was really yeah. cool yeah, I, I do agree with you on that, and I think the season looked amazing because the advances in like filming techniques and uh, technology and stuff are, are visible. Although, on a visual note, I really hate that everything, all the ship consoles and things have to be holograms. So I am kind of glad that season three seems to have just gone back to good old-fashioned push-button L cars because I truly hate the controls of Lacerana. It just looks ridiculous when they're punching air to be able to do things. That just that doesn't work for me at all. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so <laughs> moving on. Sorry, I keep interjecting. Moving on. Then what no, it's okay. It was really hard to see Picard take his licks throughout this whole thing, too. Just to get denied a ship, um, to have to face um, uh, Elnor after leaving that community for so long, and the community at large. It just really held him responsible for so much of their defeats. Um, yeah. It was just so hard to see him take all of that uh, graciously. Um, yeah, so the next question then for you that everyone's already asked, uh, be, or answered, sorry, uh, would be, who was your favourite character in the season? And related to that, uh, what was your favourite performance? Doesn't have to be the same thing, obviously the same person. I think probably my favourite character this season is uh, Soji, just um, for uh, <laughs> what she's, um, uh, she's the vehicle for gathering this information and kind of unravelling this mystery. Obviously, she's central to it. Um, but I just thought she was just really neat seeing her vulnerable um, and and kind of coming into her own. But, uh, her, you know, her entire world was just shook. And it <laughs> You're shook basically her. saying exactly what I said because I think <laughs> as did DK, by the way. <laughs> it just shook her. But she, you know, gathered herself up and moved on. So I, I just thought she was really awesome for that. And what was the second question? Uh, what was the best performance? And it doesn't have to be uh, Ethan uh, Green, best performance because that's your character. Really, um, what's coming to the forefront of my mind at everybody, right? But uh, because uh, Hugh, Hugh on that cube ah. uh, was just Delaco, amazing, yeah. <laughs> just amazing, yeah. especially that par that part that I briefly brought up earlier when Picard's just getting there walking through the cube and he's absolutely mortified it's not fight or flight he's almost in like freeze mode and we've never seen that from him before and he just you know grabs him by the shoulders and looks him in the eye and and delivers to Picard what Picard delivered to him so long ago and then just his humanity is so much in the front more so than anyone else who calls himself human I just really thought that was a good performance too it's very earnest I didn't like the killing off of Hugh just because it seemed arbitrary it's my least favorite part of the episode Nepenthe which is my favorite episode um and it just felt like oh that's a shame. <laughs> it, uh, you know, it, there was a lot of that bringing back characters, and I think uh, you kind of alluded to it. it. The same thing happened with Icheb. It seemed like they were, you know, bringing back things you recognize solely to be like, and this is how dark this world is because they're now dead horribly, and it's just like, oh dear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I didn't love the killing. I did kind of like that it led to some decent scenes of retribution again between Seven and Narissa, and I did actually think that Peyton List 
did a really good job in that last episode when she was like, poor little Annika, you know, all you got for your birthday was assimilated. You were just six years old and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, ooh. I'd kind of rather that that was the impetus rather than her then going, oh, and by the way, I killed Hugh. And I was like, oh, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> so as, as a fan of the enough. character or the performance, what did you think of that? Were you kind of upset that they killed him off as well? Yeah, absolutely. It, it did feel cheap, too cheap yeah. for his exit. Yeah, and a similar thing with each episode, which just seemed very gratuitous, I think, as, as well, yeah. Um, yeah, what about you guys then, DK, uh, Adrienne, any thoughts on that from you, Sam, or, or not? Exactly uh, the same. They, they, uh -huh. they just, it felt like they just undermined the characters. And again, with Maddox, I know, you know, obviously Maddox isn't, isn't mm. a fan favourite character, but a lot of the time it seems like they're dwelling on people's nostalgia just to get cheap emotional scenes uh, you know let's bring this person back oh and let's kill him and and mm. I'd, i've never really subscribed to that train of thought in uh, in any in any kind of fiction really again uh, table this for later but i also think that's one of my biggest problems with season three by the way which is look at this character you recognize they're dead yeah <laughs> the same yeah. thing happened to us in season two with elnor too that was another one that just really mm, i suppose yeah one thing I did want to bring up, because obviously being friends, we talked when these things aired. And I remember, DK, you talking a lot at the time of season one about Alison Pill, um, who it's intriguing that you haven't brought up at all during this review. Um, so what games? What, what's happened? Because I thought you did. Well, a really I, did mention, I did mention Gerati. I do like Gerati as a character. And I think mm. she's uh, I think she's good. But I just think performance wise, she's she's nowhere near as good as some of the other players. And I don't like the the whole, you know, oh, she's in a morally grey area. She's killed, but it's okay because the ends justify the means kind of thing. Well, it's, she wasn't of her. They kind of tried to have the cake and eat it by saying it wasn't her. She was, I yeah, guess, hypnotically well, programmed or something by a mind. No, but again, <laughs> it's, it's, it's going back to this dark undercurrent. Let's yeah. try and make things a bit gritty. And I just, I don't buy stuff like that. It's... I like yeah. her. I think she's a great actress. Loved her in Scott Pilgrim, obviously. Who yeah. wouldn't? Uh, but yeah, she again. I, I lump her along with Elnor and Rios and Rafi. I, I there's not one new character in this that I, I didn't really well, apart from the Romulans. Obviously, they didn't get the bin. But uh, there's not really uh, <laughs> one new character in this that I didn't really take to, and I thought it was nice. Uh, and I think you know, going ahead I, without you know. Going too far ahead, I think it's a shame that they got shortchanged to the final season. I know why they did it, but it just mm. feels a bit. Oh, thanks for everything you've done. Now piss off. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's especially weird in the case of Alison Pill because I remember reading the synopsis because after the episode, I always go on Memory Alpha for the like continuity mm -hmm. and the tidbits. And uh, once that episode had aired, the first episode of season three, they pointed out that was the first episode of Picard that hadn't featured Alison Pill, and I was like, hmm. Kind of sticks in your craw a bit when you're like, oh. I mean, I get why because yeah. what you've done with her and you couldn't really bring her back after that season two mess, which we'll get to. But um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, <clears throat> that, that uh, if you forgive me, uh, DK, I want to stick with you for a little while because that was the last thing I want to talk about before we kind of get to overall scores, which was going to be like special effects and the visuals and the look of the season overall. And I know that you are a huge fan of La Serena, which oh, I thank also. You. I, was, I, I thought if, if he doesn't bring it up, I'm going to have to interject here. I know you don't <laughs> like it, but I love that ship. I love that ship. I love that ship. I love it's, that it's got the pattern of uh, Van Halen's guitar on it. Just like that. That's pretty good. Cool. <laughs> it's beautiful. 
It's beautiful. I love it. I don't care what you say. Yeah, I it love just that it looks like something out of Wipeout or like Mass Effect or some crap to me. It doesn't look Star Trek. That, at that all. could be. I mean, look at what house I belong to, mate. That could be why I like it. I can't <laughs> see what it says on your thing. It's DK of the House of PlayStation. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you are without honor. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that was one of the things was La Serena. And uh, ladies, what did you think? I, I've kind of made no secret of the fact I just detest the whole thing <laughs> personally, but yeah. I like the crew quarters and I like the big open common care areas. And though it, it could, I, I believe it could also be a view screen, but I did like, um, you know, the big window in front. It just, you know, felt like you could get more visuals from that. Um, I see what you mean with yeah. that, yeah, because being a smaller, like, runabout-ish type thing. I loved it because it, it was so not Starfleet. It was so different. It was his his stuff. He's kind of rogue, different, but he's super into it, and he's made it his house because he's, like, smoking, and, and he just pops up the well, controls in front of him, and I just loved all that. To be fair, he does start smoking on the bridge of the Stargazer, so I don't think that's specific to his right. I guess it's his cigar. I don't know. I just remember there was one scene, and I was just going, I totally want to go there right now. All right, calm down. Jeez. <laughs> go to Harney they're Jail. They're my friends. They're, they're like your yeah. friends. You want to go there. Yeah. You be, Those you people be being Rios and all the Rios holograms only, right. clearly. But you don't have to be in a uniform. Like, you don't have to be Starfleet, yeah. but you can still be out. I didn't like that, though. You see, that's what one of the biggest bugbears I had with season one is that it just didn't have the trappings of Star Trek. There were no uniforms. There wasn't really many, you know, Starfleet officers and there was mm -hmm. no ships and then that brings me to my final point because well final for now for this effects thing because we'll be crucified if we don't bring it up but my word that cut and paste fleet from the last episode of the season what were they Ooh. thinking <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. yeah i mean really it's just it's so bad it was so poorly rendered it was such a last minute job and it was supposed to be the big epic here comes starfleet to the cavalry and it's you know captain Riker on board and it was just such a disappointment and i just felt so let down by it that it's you know it's fair enough that you can see why seasons two and three in large part to me seem like an apology for it and i haven't got anything against the design of the ship i have the model and i love it once it's finished when it actually has you know windows and a registry and things that were missing because it seems like somebody did it over a weekend for that scene but yeah um not yeah, that. Right. about to I was I was extremely because you know when the fleet shows up you're expecting what you saw in Deep Space Nine or Wolf Three Five Nine, so when they all show up and they're all just carbon copies and you just thought oh, what's what's happened here? Yeah, it, it, it takes you out of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it was probably it funding. You know, they just probably didn't oh, have, it, have it. It but definitely I, was. Yeah. yeah, it was the fact. I mean, the, I mean, we don't know for sure, but yeah. it seems like from behind the scenes sources, they were simply, they didn't know what the end of the season was going to be because mm -hmm. certainly there was no intent to bring back uh, Jonathan Frakes or to have Starfleet yeah. show up uh, yeah. to the point that they actually quickly filmed the Riker scene on the bridge of the Discovery when he was directing the Discovery episode. So <laughs> that's why there's no like particularly pan out type shot of that bridge because it's quite right. clearly the USS Discovery Bridge. Um, but yeah, and they, coupled with not knowing what they were doing and the fact that they just had run out of money, I think by that point, it was... It probably was basically here for VFX artists. You've got a weekend turn around a quick fleet for us, and it just wasn't the time of the resources. But still, I mean, they should have been prepared for this, you know. Um, anyway, <laughs> any other thoughts on that from uh, from any of you guys? Then 
I have one last thought with regards to what your opinion on the uh, La Serena is. Mm -hmm. Just another weak human afraid to face death. <laughs> <sighs> I, I don't have the the energy or the impetus to do it, but just imagine the gif of Shaw saying no. So <laughs> <laughs> When it comes to editing, I think that's pretty much just going to be on a, a loop. <laughs> that and many other things, believe me. By the way, we have a treat coming when we get to reviewing season three because I wrote skits for my issues with the season. So I will need everyone's help acting those out if you guys are okay with it. Oh, that's awesome. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Looking forward oh, yeah. to it. Uh, one last thing then about season one before we finally, finally give our season score and everything uh, is just this is something that bugged me about all three seasons but it started in season one which was that it seemed like it's building up to a really big huge plot reveal and in this case it was oh there's something coming and it's a machine life form from another galaxy or whatever and basically it's a mass effect that having been ripped off um but it just seemed like it was immediately forgotten and never addressed like it was built up as if it was gonna be important and then it just never was again and it just felt like what was that about then? Was it just because we needed to have an, you know, a visible threat for those last episodes and we couldn't commit to it? Because there was some pretty creepy imagery and everything in that as well. And I was like, this is intense. It's going to be interesting to see what could happen from here. And no, just nothing. So coupling that with the fact of killing off Picard and putting him in an android body and then having it literally, literally backtracking it to, but it's exactly the same as your human body in every way. So don't worry about it. Uh, were the two things that happened at the end of the season where I was like, so what was the point in any of that? And uh, I just wondered if you guys had thoughts on those as well. I still, I mean, after watching all this, I still was thinking, am I the only one who thinks the whole Picard is an android thing now was totally a big nothing like am i no, the I think only one you know who just why did they even have to do that like what was actually the point of it um i understand how it comes into season three but yeah, yeah. it's basically he's just he's basically he's just the same but uh, you know for, uh, when it ended i was like why why did we have to do that so i mean yeah i'm with you mike i feel like it was just because they wanted to have the emotional heft of killing off the character but also didn't want to do that if that makes sense. <laughs> right, right. Because <laughs> I remember reading somewhere that like Patrick's it was only going to be a three season show, but Patrick Stewart had signed on for one season. And the big end of the season was going to be that Picard was killed off, but they renamed the 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 La Serena to the Picard. So the name of the show would still make sense even though the character would be gone. And mm. I was like, oh if they kill him off, it's a really brave and bold move or whatever. And and yet, like I said, I get it thematically on the, from the metaphorical sense of now he's become like the oppressed people from that season. So mm -hmm. we can kind of, which again is kind of iffy when you think about it. You know, it's uh, like, oh, you know, you are the, the white savior that has become the, the particular right. oppressed race. Not cool. <laughs> um, but, you know, apart from that, like I said, it's just... It seemed so half-assed that it was like, don't worry, you've got no special powers. You've only got the strength and skill of a human your age. You'll only live as long as you would have done normally. It's like, then what was the point in any of it? You know? but, right. uh, anyway. <laughs> so, Sandy and DK, have you gathered your thoughts on those two things? <laughs> I guess that's what I was having trouble verbalizing. Yeah, just that um, <clears throat> I, I just didn't see the point other than it hurt to know his, you know, that he was gone. It was, it kind of put us through something, but then again, he's not. So yeah, I guess that's, it's difficult to verbalize, but it just doesn't sit right. Right. And it just feels yucky. 
Yeah, it does. It's, and what about the... Um, I didn't really address this with you, Adrian, so either you or Sandra. What about this whole kind of threat from another galaxy machine life form that was the entire basis of the plot and the reason the Romulans were terrified, which, again, has just been ignored? What do you think about that? Is Am I missing something or what? <laughs> no, you're right. It was, it was ignored, and that... Um is too bad because I felt like, uh, I mean, maybe they couldn't put the story together well enough, but it, it was really intriguing. Um, and it was, it fell flat on its face, literally. It would have made for a far more interesting antagonist in season three than the Borg again, if I'm brutally honest, to at least do something a little different. Um, and there's ways to tie it into other dropped plots, which again, we'll get to because season two does exactly the same thing, but anyway <laughs> there was actually uh, some book storylines i thought they were going to try to you know bring into the official canon and and they could have but they yeah. didn't and that's actually where i thought they were going to you know some things we've we've actually read and discussed about the books it, it's right there <laughs> but they just yeah. didn't yeah there's things they could do and just haven't but yeah so uh adrian any thoughts on that abandoned plot no i totally agree with what she said i mean it, it was sort of like oh something bad is coming oh something bad is gone like yeah. that's what, what it was <laughs> and uh, what about you dk any last thoughts on these before we get to our scores i'll tell you the problem i have with this is when you look back at star trek and you look at uh, episodes like measure of a man mm. you had he, the the thing with Picard at the end was like you know basically a trapdoor way of getting out of the whole situation, mm. but you had an entire season after that, and not once did they delve into at any point. Does Picard consider himself a man anymore? You know, it, it's the the consciousness versus the physical being. It's Star Trek, and like this this machine threat from from nowhere that came out of nowhere, and then it's gone again. It hardly ever gets referred to again. And I think that's what lets it down. It did have a potential to have much more of a bearing on the series. But again, it never went anywhere. It's like, okay, we've got that plot out of the way. Let's move on to the next one. Yeah, it's really, it's weird as well, because I, I, as this was airing, I was doing a big sort of rewatch through my, my you know, Trek history and i hit the first season of the original series around the time of picard season one and there's the episode um i think it's called what are little girls made of which yeah. the entire plot of that episode is you know roger corby has transferred his mind into an android body but it's not human anymore it has no soul it's not and i was just kind of like they didn't explore any of this with picard they were just like nah, don't worry he's fine it's exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's organic whilst also being android and it's just you know just forget it it's just still him and they kind of did the same thing for me, again, not to go too far ahead too quick, but with Data coming back, it was very much like, don't worry about it, he can age now, he's human, he's got emotions, which, you know, he did have, but we forgot about. And, uh, yeah, just <laughs> just quick shorthand, we now have the technology to bring anybody back in, in a body that's just perfectly normal and human, and don't worry about it. <laughs> it's like, well, ah, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, are we going to yeah. explore none of this? Nope, not interested in doing that. So, you know, we've got Borg to return to for the 17th time. So, I mean, don't get me wrong, uh, it's Star Trek, and at the end of the day, Star Trek is miles better than most things that's on TV. Including Star Wars. Let's <laughs> let's not start that fight, mate. Uh, but, yeah, it's... it's we've, we've done a lot of... We, we've focused on a lot of, lot of the negative aspects during this review, mm. and I think if anybody's listening in and they might think that we're completely down on it, 
I'm speaking myself, I'm not completely down on it. It just did have a lot of flaws. And yeah, oh, yeah. yeah I, I mean, just I did, I did mention the things that I liked. Like I said, there are moments that I thought really worked. And you know, to, to give you a couple more, the, the appearance of the Enterprise D and the dream in remembrance is brilliant. Like I said, the scenes between I've already mentioned Seven and Picard whenever it happens, or um, Seven's revenge against Bajazel and the entire episode of Nepenthe, apart from the Hugh stuff. So there's stuff that works, but I think when the overall plot doesn't, you know, doesn't hang together, and it is, it's it is Star Trek, but it's the modern Star Trek where it's a ten part story, and as opposed to just ten episodes or, or you know, a season of episodes which aren't connected. And when the overall story doesn't gel together, it does leave you, unfortunately, with a negative overall for yeah. me. So yeah. yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. What are you saying, anyway? No, no. So basically, you're saying you, you know you prefer Mandalorian and Andor. So okay, <laughs> uh, I will kill you. But... <laughs> no, but I do prefer most of the other Trek series, even the ones that are unpopular. This is why, you know, Discovery for me just does a lot better of a job because it still has room for the odd episode that isn't See, as tied into the story, and at least the stories yeah. as a whole hang together better. You know. It's difficult for me because <clears throat> I do be, because Picard's one of my favorite characters. Mm, I'm kind of being hypocritical with the fact that you know I'm just saying, oh, as Star Trek fans, we should be looking forward, and instead we're looking backwards. But I do still prefer Picard to things like Lower Decks. Oh, because, I don't know because no. it's it's got Patrick Stewart there, and it's it's a difficult one for me. I, see, I disagree, but I, again, that will be a different, a lower decks discussion for another time. I think that does incredible things with voice actors and with the themes that it's getting at while staying humorous and on tone. But again, different discussion. <laughs> but yeah, um, I remembered one other thing I want to bring up, which is another plus, because lest people think we're just crapping on this. Um, and it is something that sums up the character of Picard brilliantly from that first episode when uh, they say that, you know, they've had to pull out of um, relocating the Romulans because of the synths attack on Mars. And... Uh, Picard says, well, you know, that's why I resigned, because there were lives at stake. And the news reporter says, Romulan lives. And then Picard just goes, no, lives. Yeah. I was yeah. like, whoa, that's a fantastic. Why was more of the season not that? <laughs> that would have been great. But uh, anyway, <laughs> so uh, we'll finish up our season one part of this uh, review then by saying, I just want an overall season score uh, out of, let's let's say, Oh, let's say 10 for fun. <laughs> season score out of 10. And then whether you think season one was a hit or a miss. Uh, let's start with you, Sandra, because you were the last to join us. What would you say? I'm going to give it a 6.5. And it's not the show's fault. <laughs> but I mean, just for me, I was I think I was expecting something a little bit different. Um, and, and it gave me. Uh, just just the opposite of what I what I wanted for Picard's comeback. Um, I, I think I'm a little bit closer to DK's thoughts on it, um, where you know something certainly worked, and I love Picard. He's also my my he's my captain, you know. Mm, but um, just a lot of things just didn't sit right with me, just didn't feel settled. There were just like, uh, you know, just a lot of missed opportunity as opposed, they didn't really do anything wrong. There was just like a lot of teases that didn't go anywhere and that was upsetting. And then just uh, losing Hugh, uh, technically losing Picard, um, 
soon also didn't sit right with me just his character mm. and and the weirdness and and actually the whole planet um and so yeah. that's that's oh, where yeah. it sits with me yeah um, yeah i know what you mean um so well i mean 6.5 is a is a good score it's above average and it's in the good column so certainly i wouldn't say that there's too much to apologize for on your uh, on your part there. <laughs> Um, Adrienne, what would you? Oh, so yeah, sorry, <laughs> Sandra. Before I move on, hit or miss then for the overall. Uh, uh, it's a hiss. <laughs> Can we do something <laughs> in the middle? But judging by your judging by your score, I would say soft hit probably is the fairest way to say it. Yeah. I was just so happy to see them. I was just so happy. Fair enough, uh, Adrienne. Yeah. Then what would you say your score out of ten, and uh, is it a hit or a miss? I give it a seven out of ten. I say it's a hit. I say I'm I love meeting these new characters. I I love Rafi. I love Rios. Um, I I did not like the fact that Hugh died. I think that's probably the main problem for me because if you think back way back in my very first appearance when I first met you, I Borg was one of the episodes mm. I recommend that people first watch if they're not Star Trek fans. Yes. So seeing my my boy Jonathan Delarco come back was great, and then seeing him die was like, oh man, why? But yeah. <laughs> you know, I I say I say it's a hit, and I say because I want all good Star Trek fans to come and watch it, come and get into okay. this world. Okay, fair enough. Um, DK, uh, what about you then? Score out of ten and hit or miss? I'm going to say it's a, it's a very soft seven. If I could, I'd give it like 6.8, 6.9. It's you, you can I'm amazed at these scores, by the way. <laughs> it's 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 okay. It, as I say, it's better than most things on TV. Uh, but it's it it's it's just not what we what we kind of wanted. It's great to see Patrick Stewart again. It's great to see Jerry Ryan again. It's great to see all these new characters. Well, I thought were really interesting, but if you don't have polished writing that holds it all together, and you're using, uh, you know, shock value or grittiness, and and I say grittiness in a kind of you know season one of Torchwood way, not Dark Knight Returns kind of way, in in that it seems forced just to get around certain plot holes, it doesn't hold together for me, and. So yeah, as as much as I I want to love it, I just can't quite bring myself to. So it's 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 better than average, but yeah, that's about as far as I can take it. Feels like your score was completely contrary to what you were saying, but okay. <laughs> so you kind of given the score, you kind of have to say hit, I presume. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a soft hit. It's a very soft hit. It's like a really feeble punch. Okay, fair enough. Uh, my score, I'm gonna go with a 2.5, and I think Holy that's I didn't like it, and I do think it's a miss overall, but it's not a complete and that's out, of ten. out of 10. Yeah, um, see, I, don't, I don't understand you guys' scoring, that's the problem. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm, uh, yeah, maybe I'm beating. I think we just right. couldn't do that to Picard, we just couldn't do it, Mike, but clearly, could. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I gave it. I the there were moments that I liked, and that's what gets it up, you know, beyond being, well, it's a zero or a one or whatever. And it's there are moments, but like I said, you can't look at the overall and say that it's a well-put-together, well-scripted, well-thought-out thing, and there's too many things that they did wrong. I didn't like the new characters. There were many times I just didn't recognize the old characters. 
and yeah, I mean, I'll watch it. It's not the worst thing in the world, but for me, it just doesn't. Yeah, it's it's my weakest single season of any Star Trek for me. So yeah. Anyway, so I've got uh, that. If I put those scores together and divide them by, let's see, four. <laughs> I don't know what this is going to achieve, other than to say that the final score out of ten for the uh, season one of Picard, according to us, comes to 5.75, which makes it just a hit. And my score did not drag it down <laughs> badly enough. So, uh, And that's probably uh, more accurate with us being, maybe we were being a little overly generous and maybe you were being a little harsh. And so that's probably right about right. We balance each other out. That's fair enough. But I, I just want to say for the record, I still do love. Jean-Luc Picard. So, yeah. <laughs> I also love Cisco, but you know. I'm not Picard. <laughs> ah, anyway. <laughs> Sorry, I, I had the soundboard there and I couldn't resist playing with it. But anyway. I thought you were um, going to play um, Cisco's Ha! Ha! <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to play. <laughs> no, I, I like I'm not Picard from, uh, what is it, from Culus? Picard never Yeah, Culus, I'm, I'm not Picard. Picard. That's how he punch, <laughs> punches him. Awesome. Well, uh, we'll jump then to the, the next part of the review, which will be season two. The second season then uh, takes place two years after season one. We're now in the year 2401. Picard and his companions are trapped in an alternate reality by the extra dimensional being known as Q as part of the ultimate trial for Picard. And they must travel back to 2024 Los Angeles to save the future of the galaxy. That's the broad strokes of the plot. But it's also worth noting that this is the season where Terry Metalis took over as co-showrunner alongside Akiva Goldsman, I believe. Uh, and he brought on like Dave Blass as production designer. So there's a lot more traditional Trek look and I think feel starting from season two. Uh, I just wanted to make a note of that. Um, but first of all, DK, I'm going to come to you because uh, I went to Adrian last time and Sandra's talked a lot having turned up late. So uh, come to you first. In season two uh, as a whole, what do you think worked and what didn't work? Ooh. I love Annie Wershing as the Bog Queen. That uh, would come under performances that I'll get to later. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> you know, she she is freaking outstanding in this. You know, God rest her soul. Uh, <clears throat> I know we're in disagreement, but there are certain plot elements I do like. I do like uh, the return of. Gary Seven's lot. I can't really recall mm. the name of it. I think supervisors uh, is all they were called. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like I that they kind of try and tie it in. There are certain things I don't like. I don't like the, you know, Picard now seems to be an only child for some reason. I don't know where where that came from. Mm. Uh, the the forced again. I can understand why it was included, but it just seemed a little forced at times. Uh, the <clears throat> Picard's descendant, not not a big fan. I don't know. Again, uh, without going too far ahead, some of it worked for me. Some of it didn't. I like I like the uh, I like the art that they gave Rios this time, even though it pretty much makes no sense when you think about it and what's tricks instilled in people before. Uh, mm. I feel bad for Elnor that he got virtually zero screen time. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, there was some good, there was some bad. A little bit of both. <laughs> Fair enough. 
Uh, Adrienne, we'll come to you next then. What did you think worked and what didn't work overall uh, as season two's uh, whole plot? Well, what worked for me is I loved the Confederation. I just thought that whole thing was great. Just, just to clarify, you love the plot, not just what they stand for, right? <laughs> uh, yes, I love how the plot, thank you. Um, I did. I loved it. Oh, I love the skulls and I loved all that stuff. And I love that Picard was a general. I was like, oh, yes, we're going crazy with this. This is great. And of course, Q coming in and just creating havoc. That was awesome. Um, I loved the Rios and Teresa stuff. I just thought that mm -hmm. was sweet and i loved it and of course um i love spot 73 <laughs> i want one but also uh what didn't work for me was renee picard the whole storyline of renee picard her characterizations and her qualities as as somebody she, i just thought it what it it should have been so much more she should have had a, some more strengths there should have been something about her that we could love but it was just yeah. more like she's having problems and Q is setting her up for failure and there's all these things. And I thought, you know, we learned so much more about Talon than we learned about Rene Picard. Mm. That's I can't see where you're coming from. That's fair enough. Yeah. Uh, anything I mean, else then? That's, or? No, that's it. No. Cool. Um, what about you then, Sandra? Same question. I um, liked the, the Borg subplot and... Um, you know, the reason they got thrown back in time and Agnes's interaction with the queen. Um, I love any time they go back in time, any kind of time travel mm -hmm. stuff. Um, but I often, and, and the same thing happened with me in DS9, kind of like the street level stuff. It, it just didn't keep my interest as much. So like the, the chase scenes, um, um, and, and, and while I agree that that was, um, something nice for Rios to have knowing, you know, this is pretty much the end of his storyline. I, it just didn't really interest me that much. Um, I did like the museum caper thing because it just felt like, um, uh, it just felt fun. Um, I liked them meeting Guinan, uh, but I did like um, the whole Borg subplot. I also thought that the Watchers, um, I just felt like that was unnecessary. Although, you know, there was that tie in at the end with who they brought back. Um, and then I, I always loved Q also. I loved seeing him and that they brought him back and I, and the ramifications of, you know, what's happened and, and how Picard may or may not have brought this on himself. And then the alternate uh, Picard, the whole, um, his study with all those artifacts and things, we all had fun, the Easter eggs looking for, mm -hmm. that yeah. was that was fun too. Um, Fair enough. Yeah, that's cool. Anything else? <laughs> I just also the, um, and I know this is a bit contentious also because, you know, the LGBTQ has, you know, little representation at large in cinema and Hollywood and, and TV, but I just didn't like Rafi and Seven's relationship. I thought Rafi mm. was very clingy, and That's I just I just disagree was in this so season, over I think. that. <laughs> yeah, I know we are. I I just okay. didn't um, obviously have no trouble with those representations, but I just didn't like this relationship. It no, just I felt like I said very clingy. We and hopefully the viewers know you well enough to know that if you have a problem with it, it's not because they're a same-sex couple. It's just because not at you all. respond to them as a couple, which is fair enough. That's understandable if you didn't. Again, I don't agree. I think that's 
for me, that would be one of the things that really worked this season. And I was very skeptical when they kind of randomly got together at the very last minute of season one out of nowhere. And again, not because it was a same-sex couple, but because I was like, did these two have any conversations with each other? <laughs> they probably <laughs> did, but yeah. I can't remember them, you know. But um, but then season two, I think, really worked because it brought it, especially in the episode that we've already reviewed, Assimilation, when they're kind of first back in the past and Seven feels a lot more kind of carefree and, and wants to interact with people and she's calling Rafi her girlfriend and you can kind of see the, you know, or, or even especially I think one of the key moments when they kind of, they are playing at girlfriends, I suppose, to the security guard and like, oh, you can't let that other guy be more fun than you. <laughs> You've got to let us up and, uh, yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, I would say before I go any further, by the way, that um, we did review the episode Assimilation. Uh, I reviewed that with Jordan LaForden. Uh, so you can hear my thoughts on that and the kind of plot as it flows through that episode by going to there. Uh, we also have reviews of Nepenthe and Stardust City Rag, as I mentioned, from season one. And DK and I had a big discussion about season two's kind of ultimate plot and what we both thought of it, uh, which was not intended, but it happens in our, I think it's our review of Time Amok, the Prodigy episode, yeah. DK. So yeah, I'm not going to rehash that too much. Suffice to say that DK was quite on board with the whole Agnes as Borg Queen, friendly Borg, join the Federation thing. And I very much was not. So yeah, if you want us to, he to hear us arguing about that for about a solid 45 minutes, I think. <laughs> <laughs> go back and uh, check out that episode. So, um, but yeah, in terms of what worked and didn't work, other than that, I, I liked the Seven Raffi stuff. I liked the idea of time traveling to correct a mistake because I kind of like Trek time travel plots. I know some people don't. My mother in particular hates whenever they do time travel, which I'll never understand. But so, yeah, I like them visiting this kind of period of their history and our slight future and the kind of the, the social commentary you get with that. I liked the return of Gangnam as part of that as well. And just little things like the punk on the bus. It's <laughs> a cool, like, little yeah. meta, meta reference. So, like, seeing that, I loved the punk on the bus's appearance. I did not like Rios just quoting Captain Kirk verbatim with the whole, I'm from Chile, I only work in outer space. I was like, yes, we saw Star Trek 4. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> What's her name had directed that episode to? Uh, Leia Thompson. She directed a couple. Yes, yeah, in the scene, yes. Yeah. I thought she did so well. I was surprised. I had no idea. Yeah, she briefly turns up in the season as well. <laughs> But no, she did direct a couple episodes, and I do think, yeah, the direction of this season, I would say, is another strength. Um, one of the, again, we have an interview that you can find, which is uh, with production designer Dave Blasp. But one of the other things I really like is that this starts to really feel more like Star Trek just because it looks more like it. You know, from the ships actually, you know, yeah. looking like Starfleet ships and having a bit of variety. The introduction of the Star Trek Online ships, I think, is is really sweet and touching. It did that, and it's so cool on a nerd level. Um, I love the USS apology for last season. I mean, Stargazer. Um, <laughs> I think it's, <laughs> it's great. Um, yeah, all of that stuff. And the overall plots, I think, this is where I'm muddled because I both like and dislike. Like, I like the idea of them, but I think they're all fumbled spectacularly, which is such a shame. Like, I love the idea of Q and his last moments with Picard, and I think they're really powerful, but it doesn't hold up to any scrutiny as to why exactly Q would be so adamant in trying to change the future to this confederacy and go around killing people and everything. And then at the end, it's supposed to be like, no, I was just testing you so you could come to terms with your traumatic past. And it's like, really? It just seems like, the, hang on, what are you doing? Maybe some kind of Q continuum dementia. I didn't buy it. He was just too 
it was like they wanted him to be evil, like fully, like we're going to go around and we're going to prevent everything and we're going to be on Sung's side and be the bad person and kill everyone. And then in the very last episode, ah, oh, no, it turns out I'm good, really. I was just waiting for you to realize that you forgot you had a brother. So, <laughs> don't love that record. I kind of like that they tried to do something about Picard's traumatic past with his mom and like mental illness and stuff. But I kind of feel like it was a very forced retcon away from the fact that we'd seen her as an old woman and you even have that one line of Picard like I used to imagine her as an old woman making tea and it's like yeah because yeah yeah they tried yeah. to fix too much stuff I almost thought the entire mom plot line was just to explain why he has an English accent like they felt like they had to explain <laughs> it for Jack too later it's like I'm okay yeah. with it I don't need a reason I'm fine <laughs> the universal translator just does that sometimes it's fine yeah <laughs> Um, right, so anyway, moving on to the next thing, because I've rambled far too much. So uh, we are going to go around again and ask what everyone's favourite episode was of season two. My favourite episode, and I try not to do this, I really try, I, but my favourite episode is the season finale, Farewell. It's Yeah, I can see why. If, if it hadn't fumbled a couple of things, it probably would be mine as well. But yeah, I can definitely yeah. see why there's some great moments in there. Yeah, I try not to do that because of, it's obviously everybody's favorite. But this one was just because, uh, you know, I guess Wesley Crusher and taking Soji with him and just that everything liked, that happened yeah. at the end, you know, Rio staying and all that stuff. It wasn't Soji, by the way. It was Corey. Soji I mean, Corey, of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Corey, sorry. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I did like that. I, I'm with Diki. I like the reappearance of Gary Seven's people because I didn't expect it, and it was a good, very geeky deep dive. And I thought tying that into Wesley and the Travelers yeah. was really cool. I liked what they did there. Um, and I thought the scenes between Q and Picard in the finale were fantastic. They it's were. just that they don't hold up with the theme, the, the tone of the rest of the season for those characters, which is a shame. And I just don't buy this whole idea that an omnipotent being can die. So I was never... I was like, why are we accepting this is just fine? You know? But anyway, season three apparently retconned that as well, among many yeah. other things. So. <laughs> um, yeah. So your favorite episode was Farewell. Uh, what about you then, uh, Sandy? We'll come to you next. What would you say your favorite episode? Um, I'm trying to remember <laughs> which episode was the um the museum caper, but I did like that episode. Um seeing them work through the through the museum seeing some of the things that were in the museum and as they you know pertain to us in our timeline um but also the i won't i don't know if it's subplot or the b plot uh where Girardi's there in the ship um just her against the board queen and um kind of being manipulated by her but you know Girardi actually um, was the one that got the upper hand in the end. Um, sad that they had to um, kill that uh, officer that was uh, poking around the ship. Mm -hmm. But I just, um, I thought um, that was like a really intense episode. And, and I just remember it as one of my favorites. I don't remember what, I think it might have been Fly Me to the Moon, but I could be wrong because I don't really remember the titles of season two. Uh, other than the sort of main episodes and how they pertain to things. Um, but yeah, anyway, DK, what would you say was your favourite? I'm going to have to agree with uh, <clears throat> Adrienne and its farewells. Okay, same reasons? or the, the whole tying things up in a neat little bow. 
I like the I like when Wesley came back. I like the speech between Q and Picard. It might not have made much sense, but it got me right in the uh, in the oh, field yeah. as the young ones. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, yeah, I'm kind of I I like a lot of these episodes, but don't love one in the same way that Nepenthe stands out in season one. Um, so there's lots of moments that I could pick, but I think my favorite episode. And I feel bad for doing this in the same way that you do for picking the finale. Uh, my favorite episode is The Stargazer, the pilot, the first episode of the season, because I think it's cool that we kind of, again, it's, it immediately kind of seemed like we're sorry for what happened last season. <laughs> There's a lot of Starfleet and we have recognizable ships and stuff. Slightly concerned as to quite how everybody got reinstated back into Starfleet with no problem, but, you know, never mind. <laughs> we'll just acknowledge it. Um, so yeah, I liked that. I liked the. I didn't love the the conclusion, but I did like the way the mysteries were set up. Uh, in in terms of well, what's what does it all mean? What's it got to do with Picard's mum? Who's this new Borg queen? Um, what's happening? Why is what's, what does this relate to Q and like traveling back in time? And yeah, so I kind of liked the setup, and the, it it felt like for me, it was the first episode of Picard where I was like, this feels like we're in the Star Trek universe post Nemesis, whereas season one was like a weird alternate darker timeline universe so ironic considering what happens in season two but yeah so that would i, I would go with the stargazer so uh, next then what was your favorite character and performance and they don't have to be the same as i said uh, and sandy will start with you for oh no okay try, try start I with think... someone else <laughs> no no go. it's okay I okay i i think my favorite character is um and, and and this is on a, a second watching. My first watching, Agnes really was grating to me, both in season one and season two. Uh, but on my second watching, um, Agnes was my favorite character. Um, I thought uh, her performance that was lacking in season one, I thought she did so much better in season two with this complicated subject matter. But um, not even so much the character with the actor, but the character as written, the story they had for her, that was my favorite. I, I thought that was really cool. And I, I always love the Borg. They're so mm -hmm. freaking diabolical. Um, uh, so that that's probably my favorite. Uh, um, and then my favorite performance um, is Picard himself, um, just uh, confronting a lot of things, specifically in his scenes with Q, um, just his thoughtfulness and um, kind of just working through those issues. It seems like he's just every season, he's got something big to face. But of course, he sent ripples through the galaxy. He's like one of these people that when time travel, he's involved in time travel, things really get messed up just because he's been so monumental in this time period of history. Um, and, and so I just thought him confronting those things and facing those things and, and as an actor, just wonderful performance from him, my favorite for this season. That's cool. Fair enough. Well, uh, Adrienne, you said you were ready. So same question to you, character and performance. <laughs> my favorite character season two is Seven of Nine. I loved uh, Seven and Rafi running around Los Angeles. And, Yay, thank uh, you. Just a, a, a quick shout <laughs> we out. We can team up against Sandra now. <laughs> No, we need to. <laughs> oh, uh, sorry. <laughs> uh, 
And you know, Sandra and I have never been on an episode together, so this is our first one. So hi, oh, really? I do you? know. Hi, I've never good. heard your voice before, so woohoo! Anyway, so <laughs> oh wow, I didn't quick. even realize that. That's okay. We got you, boy. We got you. But um, uh, it, when they mentioned Castaic in the mm. in the um, episode, um, let's just right up the road. My son goes to Castaic High School right now. They are going on the 14. Literally, I live off the 14. How so neat. Okay. It's really neat. And of course, Rafi, when we first meet her, she is, uh, her house is at Vasquez Rocks, which is a mm. place that's famous in Star Trek. And we go there all the time, me and my family, so. I also have to say for the uh, for the benefit of the viewers and listeners if uh, and if anybody else is unaware that Adrienne really sweetly when I was reviewing Assimilation sent me a picture of the tower that Rafi and Seven go to because she lives right next to it. <laughs> so I was like, that is so cool. It's so cool. I see it every day. I'm like, hey. My favorite performance, um, I just think Jerry Ryan really knocked it out of the ballpark uh, this season. And I'm so proud she's back on TV. I'm so proud of her. And I had forgotten about her comic uh, chops, you know, because mm. she gets this look in her eyes. She says, well, apparently I'm a president of xenophobic authoritarian regime. And it's such a great line because like she's speaking so fast and she's panicking and she, you know, it's just so great. And I love to see that funny side of her. It's, on, on the flip side of that, I really think it's a powerful and awesome moment in, I think it is in assimilation when she looks in the mirror and she starts touching where the implants should be mm -hmm. and they're not there. And she's just like being human for the first mm -hmm. time. I was really profoundly moved by that. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah, that's a great scene. And she's talking to herself. Okay, like you can't read in a dream. Like all these things are happening and it's, it's all moving so fast. And I just mm. love that too. Love it. Yeah. I, w I will say that that was one of the reasons I was disappointed with, again, the sheer lack of logic of we're going to reassimilate you, but it'll also bring back, it'll just bring back all the implants you already had. I was like, what? It's happening. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> 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 Uh, anyway, DK, favorite character and performance, please. Uh, favorite character, I think I'm going to have to go with Rios in this one. Okay, fair enough. Okay, um, and uh, yeah, I, 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 I just like his arc in this. Uh, yeah. Favorite performance, I am going to have to go with Alison Pill for this one. Oh, okay, cool. Good for her. I feel all seems right with the world all of a sudden now. Today. <laughs> <laughs> Whew. Apart <sighs> from that silly it. makeup at the end. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was... <laughs> yeah don't get me started. Yeah. Uh, literally don't. But no, fair enough. <laughs> um, yeah, my favorite character was would be the same as you, Adrian, as I, as I kind of, you know, showed my hand with there. I think it's seven of nine in the journey that she goes on this season um, because it's the one that makes the most sense and I think mm -hmm. is, is kind of... As a through line, it kind of... I don't know. It, it, it has the most powerful moments. I'm also reminded of... The moments when she talks about, you know, the smell of car battery, reminding her of her assimilation because yes. something that the Borg do to you to make the implants gel better or something is to inject mm -hmm. you with some metallic acid or something. And I was like, ooh, that's... <laughs> See, I, li I like it when people actually care about assimilation and it's a visceral process that you're not supposed to want as mm. opposed to being like, son, let me just plug into you quickly and act like nothing happened. <laughs> <laughs> But never mind. <laughs> ah, different argument for a different day. But um, no, so I think Seven was the my favorite character. Although I did like a lot of the characters in this season. Like I said, some of the some of the the stories were fumbled at the end, but I thought a lot of them were great. I will also say um, I thought both uh, Whoopi Goldberg and Ito Agharaye. Apologies, I probably butchered that. Uh, both did a really good job as Guinan, and I liked that character because I've always liked that character, and it was just good to see Guinan be yeah. Guinan. 
They cast that well, really. Yeah, yeah the younger mm-hmm. Jaina was fantastically well. And you can tell she's kind of a fan as well. Because, I don't know, you just get the sense of these things, or I do anyway. So, <laughs> yeah. I got that sense. She's a super nerd. I, I hope I'm right. Yeah, I know you are, apparently. I've, I've read sort of interviews and stuff where she's like, I was a huge Star Trek oh. nerd, and I was thrilled to get the part of Guinan and uh, oh, wow. share wow. that kind of role and everything. So, <laughs> yeah. Again, doesn't really make a lot of sense considering Guinan in the 17th century just looked like Whoopi Goldberg during Time's Arrow. But again, we, you know, we'll bust out the uh, "It's Just a Show" Joel from MST3K gift just for <laughs> for you, DK. <laughs> oh my God! If Joel were getting paid residuals for this podcast, he'd be rolling in it. <laughs> he would indeed. So yeah, my favorite performance again. There's a lot that I would shout out that I thought were really good, and I'm struggling to zero in on one that I can say was the best because all of them have moments of not being great and then I don't know I'm, I'm I don't know why I'm struggling with this why am I struggling why am I why can I not get it uh you just don't want to look an original by saying Alison Pill <laughs> <laughs> it definitely isn't although I do love a lot of her moments and again in assimilation I think that's one of the rare times that the cursing works because I do love her line at the end uh, when the book queen's like haha you think you've got me and she's just like oh computer dictate the file shit I stole from the book queen <laughs> like, yes yeah. <laughs> that was a great line <laughs> well, yeah performance wise it's got to be Annie Wershing definitely I should have said that from the start and I can't believe I didn't so yeah because she is just outstanding as the ball queen, as I mentioned again during my assimilation review that I keep referencing. But yeah, rest in peace. She's fantastic, I think, in this season. And not an easy thing to come on and be the third person to play that role and still be different enough to be another timeline and everything, but still recognizably. And how chilling is it when she's, uh, you know, the power's out and she's just a torso crawling towards them in the La Serena cargo bay? And it's just like, ooh, that is pure horror. Yeah. Terrifying, you know? So, yeah, I like that. Um, so where were we? What would you say? Do you have any favorite moments in particular that, that stand out from the season that we haven't already mentioned? Uh, Adrian, we'll come to you first. <laughs> I do have one. Go I have a, something that made my jaw drop. I was like, oh, are you serious? Um, the Detective Wells that had Picard and Guinan and they're asking him questions like, you're an alien and you got to, you know. Mm. He met the Vulcans as a kid. Of course, they and have transporters so, when they shouldn't, but again, we, we'll, right. we'll ask Joel to pop out and <laughs> say hello again. That moment, and then he mind-melded him, and Wells described he was pulling my eye out of my head and all these things, and that was just great. I love that that little scene. Just It's a great, great moment for the season. I was just so disappointed because that actor is, he played um, the first officer of the timeship Relativity in the episode <laughs> Relativity. Right, Jake Harnes, which, um, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, the one, I was adamant that that was, that was deliberate and he was time traveling and stuff because <laughs> the Relativity is known as a Wells class ship as well. And oh, I was like, hang yeah. on, this guy, he's yeah. used the fake name Wells right. and he's time yeah. traveling and stuff. It's going to be a tie into that. And it just wasn't. Oh, right, right. <laughs> We love that episode, right? That's our favorite. We love that episode, huh? That's my favorite ship, the Relativity. Well, well, Relativity's cool. It's a, yeah. it's a time ship, right. for crying it's out loud. time ship. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> episode. But, oh, we could go on about that, but yeah. Yeah. But no, I, I like any future stuff. But no, um, so any other moments that, that stand out to you, Adrienne, before we, uh, we ask the others? No, but I kind of want to do a little plug for Una McCormack's book, if I can. 
you yeah, hey, you can do anything you like as long as it's okay. you know. So above the board. Star Trek, there's lots of Picard books out there, but um, my favorite one so far is Second Self. I I love Una McCormack, but it mostly focuses on Rafi between the time that the season between season one of Picard and the beginning of season two. So she goes on this mission, and of course, I'm not going to give anything away, but you know, it's a it Romulans and. She's an intelligence person. It's an intelligence gathering thing. Romulans are involved, but hello, Cardassians and Bajorans. Oh, it's just so good. So I recommend reading. I, it. I don't have that one, but I do have um, so in my in my e-reader. I have got the Last Best Hope by Una McCormack. Oh first, yeah, that's supposed novel. to be great. That's my next book. And I also have um, the Dark Veil, which is the it's set on the Titan uh, with yep. Riker and Troy. Yeah. By James Swallow, yep. that one. And I have. I all love of how they do that. Ones. Yeah. But I just wanted to put it out there because I just finished it and it's so great. And it brings back one of my very, very, very favorite Star Trek characters ever. So read Ooh. it. Or listen. You're going to leave us not spoiled on that one. Then. I'm not spoiling it. Where were we? Uh, yeah. So Sandra, then, what did you have any other moments you wanted to, to kind of bring up across season? Uh, no, not really. Not really. I, I just really liked the whole Agnes thing. And we did get an opportunity to talk about that. Yeah. 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 Cool. DK? I'm going to go with the unexpected Wesley cameo at the end. Wasn't expecting that. Was that. Oh, yes. that was really nice. And it, again, complete shock. Uh, as somebody who struggles with avoiding spoilers, including I had all of season three spoilers, I won't lie, or most of it anyway, um, <laughs> did not see the Wesley cameo coming. And I was like, that is so neat as a way to tie that in as well. Um, so yeah, I liked that very much. And I think it also gave the character a, a nice little send off as well, because mm -hmm. you know what he got in Nemesis was just pitiful. True. Yeah, well, that's true of all of the characters and Nemesis in general, <laughs> isn't it? Let's be fair. Uh, I heard it was kind of healing for him to um, just to resolve some conflicted feelings he had about his time on the show. Yeah. So then, in that case, I think we've kind of touched on everything. As we, we, we'll not get into the whole discussion about me disliking season two's conclusion again. Uh, but yeah, I like a lot of the relationship stuff in this season. I loved the way, like I said, the way that it all came and. It just felt more Star Trek to me without wanting to sound really annoying and vague. So, um, oh, that's the last thing I want to talk about is, again, the season end happens and whatever occurs, occurs. You know, the Borg Queen can't just, you know, open her mask and tell Picard who she is. She has to be vague so that we can get the whole plot because reasons. <laughs> um, but it turns out that they're there to protect because something's coming through a transwarp rift and the Borg have to be the guardians at the gates. And we are never going to address that again. Mm. <laughs> I was absolutely going to talk about it in season three. It's like, how was this a surprise? Because I thought we had someone kind of watching there. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're guarding against something that's coming through. But at this, instead of season one, which was like metallic life form, completely alien to us, another part of the galaxy wants to invade. This is just like, something's coming through. We don't know what, but don't worry about it. But it <laughs> absolutely like could have been the, the, the Borg from season three. You know, it could have been that. Why wasn't it that? Well, because then they would have to acknowledge the complete F up of season two's Borg plot. So, yeah, I don't think they wanted to, to deal with that or address that at all because it's just a mess. It's always a, it's always a parallel universe. It's fine. There's a, a point where you're just like, so hang on, you've admitted the Borg to the Federation, but just these ones? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Season two clearly wanted you to think this is the Borg overall, then realized they completely screwed up with that. And season, 
as I already mentioned, UDK, I think season three sums up the writer's thoughts in the character of Shaw when he just says, forget about that weird shit on the Stargazer. The real Borg is still out there. <laughs> and what was that about? <laughs> Only Borg with passports are allowed into the Federation. <laughs> oof, oof. <laughs> political anyway but no i was i was referring more to like whatever is coming through the rift the fact that it's this uber threat that needs the entire fleet and the borg themselves standing against it and being a guardian and yet we don't get a, even the slightest hint of what that could be and it's not addressed which to me is just terrible writing just a vague threat that's not going to be touched on is annoying to me and again season one did it as well so it makes every season just feel disjointed and like we're starting fresh which bugs me no end. But, you know, just me, or do you guys agree? What do you think? I, uh, I think I said it in the Time of Mark episode. It'll probably just be addressed in a a novel. Yeah, comic book or a spin-off novel or something. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, well, never mind. <laughs> I mean, there's some things where, where I think that works. Like, for example, mm-hmm. again, not to jump too far ahead, but, like, when they say, we obviously can't use the Enterprise E, Wharf, and him going, that's not my fault. I was like, that's cool, because that leaves us space to tell that story if you want to but it's not vital that's where you leave that vague but what you don't do is there's an uber threat coming we'll tell you about it later somewhere i don't know where about this now (laughs) so yeah adrian similar thoughts or or not yeah i disagree with everything that you just said i mean (laughs) (laughs) and sandra you agree with me too don't you 99.9%. 99.9%. Yes. Right. <laughs> yes. I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, right. So uh, we're back to round to this. Then I'm going to go through and ask everyone for your season score out of 10 and whether you think season two was a hit or a miss. Uh, we're going to, you know what? I'm going to switch things up and I'm going to give you mine first because I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. I'm going to say that season two for me was a six out of 10 and is a very soft hit because. It felt way more like Star Trek and it felt like they were trying to do some good plots, but they kind of bungled it and, and botched it at the end for themselves. But there are other moments that I love. I haven't even mentioned like the the Jurati Borg Queen singing Shadows of the Night is one of my highlights of the season. I know some people hated that, but I thought that was great. I actually really did like the character of Renee Picard as well, by the way. I felt so bad when you were all dissing her, but yeah. So there's lots. I did like her too. I thought that was a kind of, I really thought it was like a first contact vibe. And I think it was because it was set much closer to our time. And Mm. yet it was definitely more futuristic. And um, I I did like that too. I forgot to mention. Yeah. But I mean, obviously not everything worked, which is why I couldn't go higher. I don't think, I didn't love that they just immediately sort of got rid of Elnor and he's barely in it. And then he's gone in season three. Didn't love that we ditched Soji. Uh, in episode one, after a cameo, even if we got to see at a party, right? <clears throat> yeah, party on some random planet, and but yeah, again, it's it's nice that we got to see Sabrionas later in the season as Corey Sung, but that character again, other than the kind of cool tie into Wesley, didn't seem to have a point, and neither did the Spina character in season two, the yet another Sung that turned out to be the reason for the evil world, and maybe he's involved with Khan and whatever else. That didn't work for me either. But yeah, I like that they tried to explore Picard's kind of trauma in his past. I liked Q being there and trying to give a final farewell there. Liked the Wesley thing, as I said. I liked the time travel plot. Thought the Borg Queen was very well acted, even if I didn't love the way that plot ended. And uh, yeah, so for me, soft hit, six out of ten. TK, uh, we're going to come to you next because why not? What do you <laughs> What do you think? Yeah. 
I'm going to give this an eight. Okay. It's obviously better than the uh, the first season, but it's 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 not there. And again, the plot lets it down slightly, but I can kind of look back by that because I was having so much fun. It meandered a little in the middle uh, mm. the season, and I was kind of rapidly losing interest, but it got me back. And I think if if not for farewells, it would have been a lot lower. But that episode really kind of hit bang on target for me, and I think that explains why. It, I think it's a shame that one and two get such a, a pasting from people at the minute saying season three is fantastic, season one and two were garbage and should be binned. I won't go that far. I think it's unfair. I I, I like them, but, you know, it is what it is. Fair enough. Um, so, yeah, that's a six from me and eight from you. Uh, Adrienne, what about you? Okay, thank you, DK, for another uh, British um, saying, should be binned. Thank you. Okay. Um, Get in the bin. Yeah. um, I'm giving it an eight. Okay. Uh, um, This cast ensemble, I think, I think deserves it. I think they worked really hard together. You know, 10 episodes to put all of this stuff together for the writers. They really squeezed it in. Action packed. Really interesting. Um, Yeah. Eight out of 10 people. So you'd obviously say hit as well, I presume then. Yeah. Oh, yep. It's a hit. And uh, Sandra, we'll come to you last. Score out of 10 and hit or miss, please. Um, Mine is a seven. And um, uh, I echo DK sentiments in that it was a little bit better, but not quite there yet. It did feel disjointed. It almost felt like a a reboot of Picard. Like, oh, we didn't like season one. So let's try this again. And and I was gonna say it goes and that continues in a season three, like, oh, actually we didn't like that one. Let's try this again. <laughs> but yeah. um, but I did again just love being with them. I loved, you know, expanding the Borg storyline further, you know, the continuation of the Borg storyline from um Picard itself, and so seven, and it is a hit for me. Awesome. Uh, right, so working out the average of that then means that season two overall for us comes to 7.25 out of 10, which would obviously qualify as a hit. So <laughs> so not too shabby. Let me just write that down for when I come to the full season uh, or series score at the end. And we'll leave it there for this particular episode for this week. Uh, join us again, same time next week, when we will talk about the already legendary third season of Star Trek Picard. Uh, Once again, we'll go over what worked or maybe didn't work for us, and we'll give our favourite moments, the best characters that we thought were in the season, favourite episodes, and then give it a score out of 10. And then at the end, we'll give uh, Star Trek Picard as a whole an overall score and declare whether the podcast thinks Star Trek Picard is a hit or a miss, or at least... Uh, the four panellists that we have chosen so yeah do join us again for that one Uh, you can always reach us via all of our social medias and things which are at the links that are in the descriptions Uh, do check out the various episodes that were referenced throughout this episode they can be found on our channel or via the lists and uh, in the meantime yeah remember we are Starfleet live long and prosper live long and prosper You have been listening to the Hit or Miss Star Trek podcast, hosted by Michael Wilson and DK. Created, produced, and edited by Michael Wilson. Additional material produced by DK. Music by Timeless Journey. More information can be found at soundcloud.com forward slash timeless journey. 
The Hit or Miss Star Trek podcast is based on an idea by Michael Wilson and Will Templar. Follow the podcast on Instagram at Home Star Trek Podcast or look for the Hit or Miss Star Trek Podcast under Facebook groups. Links to all our social media accounts and more are in this episode's description. This podcast is available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Just look for Silver Screen Hit or Miss Star Trek. This has been a Mike's Podcast production, copyright 2022. Thank you for listening.